Hello, Chris here from Old Dirty Brastards. If you're a big fan of this podcast, you can support it through the ACAST support feature. You can give as little or as much as you like, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the description to support now. Thank you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to episode number seven of the Old Dirty Brasted podcast. Today we are talking about single number seven that we have we have released. It wasn't me by Shaggy. With us today, producer and arranger of the track, doubling up. It's Seb. Hi, Seb. How are you? I'm great, thanks. I'm having a lovely time. I'm up to my uh, neck in uh, editing podcasts, which (laughs) is something which uh, no one's asked me to do, but it is uh, filling my time. That's good. uh, But I'm I'm looking forward to, yeah, to a bit of uh, paternity leave. Uh, Unpaid, of course, but... Of course. uh, It's not something you want to be doing when you're... No. You're up and up at the night trying to get your, your young exactly. baby to sleep and whatnot. I'm looking forward to just, uh, it's going to be nice just having one thing to focus on. It's going to be, uh, put that trumpet away, <laughs> switch off logic and uh, raise a baby. That's it, mate. It's That's easy. It's easy. It's not, it's not easy. Oh no. <laughs> but it's lovely. You're going to love every <laughs> second of it. It's great. Oh, I hope so. Uh, right. And then with us again today, he's co co-host co-founder of the brasters and co-everything richard turner how are you i'm good thanks chris yeah it's good to be here yeah as always yeah we are in our house in my house we're socially distanced how was your you were you were at dan west house today weren't you having a barbecue oh yeah we had some lovely steak and uh some massive bits of chicken Mm. and as always some sausage the sausage yeah yeah Yeah. and uh yeah the uh kids were playing in in the garden it was lovely sun was shining been nice how do you stop the kids from touching each other is that even possible uh i think it's definitely impossible um and just gotta keep wiping them down yeah yeah just (laughs) you get the paddling pool out put the anti-back gel in there and just like chuck them all in yeah (laughs) uh here he is producer of this one and probably the video when we get to make it <laughs> we'll make the video as well it's barney philpot hi barney how are you feeling uh yeah good thanks mate um a bit tired but we, we're okay we're okay oh no come on barney you got this it's just the end, end of a long long week <laughs> you've had a long yeah you've been very busy haven't you editing things and it's building also, stuff yeah slightly self-imposed slightly not but 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, all good, mate. All good. I had um, my first, yeah, my first gig back last night. That was good. Oh yeah. What? What was that? Just did a. Res- we did. Um, me and my fiance did a, um, a a duo concert in a garden locally, um, socially distanced, um, and yeah, it's something that we started doing just before lockdown um, as a trio with another friend of ours, pianist, but um, they're currently indisposed in lockdown, um, not able to join us. So we've just sorted a few things with backing tracks, but it started because uh, our landlady um, um, said, asked if we could do it for her parents because her parents have very kindly offered a little bit of a rehearsal space for my other half during lockdown because we've got a... Um, uh, a funny old neighbour who doesn't like us making noise. Boom. It's, it is a wonder that we managed to record four brasses tracks in these walls. <laughs> <I> really, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well it is mad, but we managed it. But no, so now he's kicking off, um, and it's one of the reasons that I'm building uh, a sort of soundproof recording booth, which is the reason I'm exhausted. I have been carrying ply, uh, what we call it, plasterboard and. And stud work up up the stairs all week, and I'm just knackered. But um, yes, no, we did this. Um, we did that a couple of weeks ago. This concert, and there was a lady there who liked it so much that she. Well, I don't know. If she likes. <laughs> she, she's she's not got many options at the moment. So um, she <laughs> yeah. um, she asked if we could play her birthday. So we did that yesterday, and it was really nice. Like, and we just found ways of like. Obviously, no one wants to hear. There's a lot of trombone repertoire. No one wants to hear. So. Yep. I just played, I pretty much just played um, the hits of West End's Leading Ladies on the trombone. Brilliant. <laughs> Which Did you is, just make it all up off the top of your head? Right on my street. I just, I just got um, got some sheet music off the internet of like Maria by Bernstein and uh, some stuff from Follies um, and uh, a bit of Ella Fitzgerald. Uh, not, not. I don't think she ever was a leading lady in the West End, Ella Fitzgerald, no. but that would have been lovely <laughs> to so. see, wouldn't it? Yeah, no, yeah. So it was really nice. And and um, Anna, my partner, did uh, some a bit of Carmen and and things like yeah, that. Do you want to so, tell the nice. listeners at home what Anna does? Well, Anna's an opera singer. That? Anna's an opera singer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or, or so, it, or do we want to keep it quiet because of tax reasons? Or we, 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 well, we can out her. It's fine. Yeah, she's. A- <laughs> How does that work? Well, I mean, what? <laughs> I um, but no, she's a very good opera singer. Isn't she's she? an opera singer, but um, yeah. uh, she chucked a bit of a bit of light-hearted light music in there as well uh, for the fans, you know. Um, but it was just what, nice. Um, oh, it was really nice to get out and, and play to people and connect with people. And we did did encounter the. Uh, the misinformation that people needed to be nine foot away from my trombone, which, <laughs> which I couldn't believe that that is like actually being believed. But yeah, that's all nonsense. If you're listening, you but, can. I mean, you don't want them. You don't want them being two foot near you either. So I mean, I no, guess yeah, no, I don't think anyone wants that. It's actually quite comfortable in theory. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, so it was it was good. It sounds to me like you need to play Barcelona by Freddie Mercury. Oh, it's such a great <laughs> idea. <laughs> that would be oh. amazing. That's such a great idea. <laughs> Yeah, that would be brilliant. Okay, yeah, keep yes. the suggestions coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, mate, that would be so good. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. No. What about the bo- the body form advert? <laughs> body form for you. Is that it? What? what? Body, body form. form. Yeah. Classic. <laughs> yeah, you could do um, you could do the lower pack advert. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Anna would go, strange dear. But true, dear. I'm close. <laughs> we actually scrapped that one. 
can't think why. <laughs> Back again after having such a lovely time with him in episode three for Are You Mine? Uh, it's MD of the band, drummer Rick Ellsworth. Hi, Rick. How are you? I'm doing really well, and I've not had the same. Great. I've not had the same problems as Barney has. Um, so um, I, I put what my drum. Yeah, yeah. So I put my drum kit in my spare room, and um, I'm at the moment I'm living in this cottage that has like zero soundproofing, and um, bashing away doing my drum lessons or recording or whatever. I'm very um, conscientious of the people over the road. Um, and I see, on our road, you see everybody all the time. And, and, I, and I walked past them the other day. I was like, hey, how you doing, you know? And um, I said, look, you know, if at any point, if, if it's too loud, just please just not, because I'm aware of it all the time. And the chap said, you're not even close, mate. You're not even close. You you carry on. What about and, your uh, drumming? Your timing? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. About, <laughs> about, about my yeah, he had a he had a metronome on. He was pointing it out the window. <laughs> yeah, he was like, "That's not very good." Um, and it was literally the best the best response he could have ever given. And um, That's so nice. I know. I count my lucky stars to have someone say that to me. I was like, "Yes," you know. Anyway, anyway, come on, introduce introduce the newest one. Introduce the newest one. Well, okay, so this. This is a bit of like uh, uh, the podcast from the past and futures crossing over because we're doing them out of order. So this is actually his first podcast joining us and we are very excited to have him in. Um, but you will have heard him before this down the line in one that we're recording later, which comes before this. Anyway, that's all very confusing. <laughs> <sighs> but uh, if you ever come to one of our gigs, uh, you may see in the trumpet lineup a man with very, very awesome, distinctive hair, lovely, long, curly locks, and uh, he forms half of the uh, the high chop, the high chop brigade in our band. Um, he goes by many names, most of them not written on his birth certificate, and this one especially isn't written on his birth certificate. It's Freddie Bowles. How are you, Freddie? You're right. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you very much for having me. Um, I'm very well, thank you. I'm very, yeah. I'm very excited to be here. Um, well, at home in my bedroom, talking down <laughs> microphone, but yeah. you know, sort of here, here in, in in spirit and and here on uh, on the radio waves or the audio waves or, or whatever this is. The um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're so we actually you're because your real name is Arthur, right? It is indeed. Yeah. Yes, but we'll call you Freddy. We do, yeah. One of one of uh, the Lord is one the, of them as well, isn't it? The, it the Lord. is. It yeah. is. I mean, the I have a very pretentious name. Sick. So, uh, sicko. Sicko. Yeah. Sicko. The, white, the white wine witch. I yeah. don't think I was really names. Names. I'm um, only just realising now just how many names we call you. <laughs> and the Whiskey Wizard. The, the Whiskey, whiskey Wizard, wizard yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and I answer to all of them as well. So, yeah. the, you know, this and is the great. ringmaster. Yeah. Even to Harry, as one guy called me, um, you know, doing a show, and he he called it me for months as well. And, and do you know when you, it just goes past that point where you can tell someone that actually your your name is something different? And um, I was just too embarrassed to do so. So as I, I was Harry for well, yeah, months. Yeah, because it would be confusing for you as well. Because you go, is that it's actually Freddie? And you go, is it? You go, well, no, actually, it's Arthur. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it is always a confusing thing. I, when I um, put my name down in anything like the bank or the doctors, it is it is Arthur. And so always put, mm. say, is Arthur there, please? And, you know, sort of I wait there for about 30 seconds and then, yeah, it, it twigs that I am actually Arthur and that it's me. I'm like, oh, hello, oh, it's me. The idiot in the corner that's forgotten their name. <laughs> Do you sign Arthur? Uh not if I can help it. No, no. I mean, I don't sign anything if I can help it because, you know, yeah. writing he is just so contactless, illegible. mate. That's, get with the times. Who signs for anything now? <laughs> it's all about bang. You can't do, can't do contacts or autographs, Rick. He just, he just rolls his signet ring into the hot wax. <laughs> everybody, everybody knows who it is. I think it's fair to say that you probably stand out on most of our gigs, Freddie, because you have a very good... I don't even know if it is very good, but the hair sort of gives you a, a likeness to a, a, a well-known 80s ah. slash early 90s Manchester <laughs> pop star, Manchester-based pop star um, with long sort of curly red hair. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. people aren't, you know, the, the average public isn't afraid to come forward and tell you that as well or tell us that as well. And it's just like, oh, yeah, well. Yeah, Absolutely. I, I do us, I do but, get it do get it everywhere. I'll be, I'll be on the tube, you know, and one moment stands out clearly. I was just going up the escalator, and a load of drunk lads were coming down on the opposite escalator. It's like, it's Mick, Huck, no, Mick, Mick, give us a wave. <laughs> um, you think, oh, okay, thanks, guys. Yeah, I'm now very they, they embarrassed. Like that. They, they actually really believed it as well. I was doing you a, um, I was doing a festival once um, with a band, and it, it, you know, it was quite a big festival. Um, clang, and, and there was a. Um, uh, a chap on the front row that was like, it's Mick Hartnell, Mick, 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 Mick. <laughs> we just kept on saying Mick over over and over, but the lead singer of the band that I was playing with happened to be called Nick. And so he got really excited and was waving to the guy, you know, taking bows and things. And yeah. yeah. It was actually for me. It was actually for me. It was actually for me in the section. So. You there, sure. Me. Yes. <laughs> Kiss my <laughs> ring. <laughs> there you go. I mean, I would absolutely love it if Mick Hucknell is out and about getting people going, it's Freddie Bowles. Yes. <laughs> I think he should. Freddy. I think he should. Parallel universe, Chris. Parallel universe. Absolutely. Yeah, man. <laughs> Simply Fred is big in uh, another universe somewhere. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. In, in another world, I, d- I didn't join ODB and um, I actually just set up the Mick Hucknell tribute, Simply Fred. And, you know, that that's how I make my living. It's not too late, Freddie. It's not too late. You really could do that, Freddie. I've already told you how you can um, perform vocal tunes on your brass instrument. Just do Simply Red tunes on the trumpet. That's the way to do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. The, um, the, 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 um, the ladies in the Mafia of Beckenham are very happy to uh, receive you for a recital. <laughs> Maybe I'll record something then, Bon, and, uh, and, and send it to them. Can't hurt. Right. So our team is assembled. Shall we talk everything? It wasn't me. I think we're going to say the other song then. Everything will be all right. Which Philpot do we want to start with? Arranger Philpot or Producer Philpot? Where should we start the chat? Um, Arranger? Let's go with Arranger then. Okay. <laughs> Dickie, have you got any questions you'd like to ask Seb? Why not? Um, yeah, so you've done you've done something quite good with it, haven't you, Seb? Um, where were Is that you? A question. Where <laughs> can I can I just say just can not I just but can I just butt in? I have an exclusive on this particular uh, arrangement. 
Oh. oh. I was Come with on, I was with Seb when he did this. What the Correct. whole thing? I I I know that, and that was going to be my question. But you know, I was with <laughs> Seb when he when he did this. I was um um so not many people know this about Seb is that he's an exceptional athlete, but. But he doesn't. But he doesn't. He doesn't like to show off. He doesn't like to, 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 you know, to demonstrate the fact that he is an exceptional athlete. Thus, uh, when you go out on a run with him, it's one of the most frustrating things in the world, isn't it, Seb? <laughs> so we. So uh, me and Seb were in Bristol, um, and uh, we were we just done a rehearsal for a concert and. Um, you know, classic in between rehearsal and concert. We we had nothing to do. We had a bit of downtime, so me and Seb both like running. So we went we went out for a bit of exercise down in Bristol, and he kept on stopping and taking pictures of bridges and and gazing <laughs> at rivers and stuff like that. And I was like, "Come on, Seb, let let's get at least a little bit of a dab on here. Come on, <laughs> it's not happening." <laughs> And we, we, we were running along and he was like, what do you reckon it wasn't me would sound like with, you know, to, with a brass band? I was like, they sound, sound fucking brilliant, Seb, actually. <laughs> anyway. But which cut, brass cut, band cut, are you cut, talking about? Yeah, now? yeah. Cutting, cutting <laughs> a long story short, we got, back, we got back to, you know, backstage and everything. And he boshed this arrangement out in literally 20 minutes. And I was like, whoa, oh my gosh. Anyway. The, the the you know the um, the point of this story is is that um, uh, he's a very frustrating person to run with, but he's a bloody brilliant arrangement. So, oh, oh thank you. There you go. Well, um, and then when he's you. on Sibelius um, arranging, he won't stop sprinting. It's really annoying. <laughs> he did it. Honestly, he put this arrangement down in like thirty minutes. He had it. It's amazing. Yeah, uh, that's. Uh, yeah yeah basically in a nutshell that's basically what happened um i, I remember we um i, I think i'd started a- arranging it actually just before we'd gone on the run and um i was i was trying to arrange it wasn't me i was also at the same time trying to arrange um hips don't lie by shakira and i was finding a bit of a dead end with that one because it doesn't really develop it does it's got the which i thought would work quite well for us and then then it's got da, 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 da. um and then i thought oh, maybe i could sort of mash these things up and so i i added on it wasn't me the tune onto the beat of um hips don't lie which what what would you describe that as rick is it sort of reggaeton kind of um, beat? What what? latin yeah, it's got a bit of a, it's got a bit of a Latin sort of Afrobeat vibe, hasn't it? Yeah. The, the the important thing is is the snare on the on the and of two. Yeah, so it's it with uh, with hips don't lie, it's a, it's a slow sort of Afrobeat. Like that, you know? I prefer it when yeah. you had your drums out. Shit. Um, but um, oh, here we oh, go. What's oh, he got oh. here? Nothing. Oh, oh all right. <laughs> Nothing. Um, Nothing. Yes. Yeah, so so I, I had sort of done some preliminary stuff just on my own, working it out. Um, so basically putting it wasn't me onto that kind of beat and just seeing what that would do. And then I went for a run with Rick. And I remember 
I mean, in fairness, in the run, right, we, we, we got to, um, we're in Bristol, we got to the bottom of um, the uh, Clifton Suspension Bridge. And, and we decided and, to and, cross over and the river. And he immediately stopped. He immediately stopped. Oh, to be honest, we, I don't blame it's him. A very That's a lovely bridge. sight. We, we took That's a picture it. of it, but we actually we couldn't cross the road for about 10 minutes. Do you remember? Because uh, the, the drawbridge went down or something like that, or because you were like, like and you'd had an epiphany or something. I don't know. No, the, the traffic was so bad. <laughs> and then we had to get up the top of the bridge, which is about half a kilometre up the top. Anyway, we don't need to go into this. But, it's not a drawbridge, um, is it? Either? It's not a drawbridge. <laughs> <laughs> we had to fight two dragons. It was very difficult. And Seb got stuck in the milk. Um, going on a run with Seb it's like it's not a run it's like a realisation that's what it is (laughs) honestly you got 10 minutes before without him (laughs) yeah god it's so annoying running with Rick he's just like come on what are you doing just put a top on come on let's go Let's get a bead on. <laughs> anyway, so I was means. running running with Rick and I'd so I'd done some preliminary work on this and I just had this idea and it and it running actually helped get really formulated in my mind. I, I felt like it could have this sort of really cheeky sort of vibe to it. Um We talk about this in episode lot- eight, don't we, in the future, Seb? We, exercising we and work, exercising, working yeah. out your arrangements on an exercise. That's right. I, I mean, I'm, I'm beginning to realise that is where I do my best work. <laughs> I should really <laughs> do more of it. Dave Hopkins in but, the shower, um, Seb on a run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, so I, I just thought, you know, having lots of little comical gaps and just like sort of subverting what the audience is expecting. So I, was, I remember singing to him just that kind of going... Um, like... And so I just thought it'd be a quite a cheeky thing. Um and then I, I remember singing the um the ba ba da ba da bum and um and then thinking, oh a tuba could go bottom that kind of thing. So that that was it. And then I got back and then I just I wrote it out really quickly. It just came easy because it's there's there's not much to that song really. Um and then I remember the quite first New Orleans, time... isn't it? Like in terms of like the trumpets are sort of all doing the same thing, and the trombones are sort of all doing the same thing. So, it yeah, it's like it's not intricate in its parts. It's just like there's like two or three groups within the band passing around things. Yeah, so it's easier, so, it's quicker yeah. to write. It's more like a trio with the rhythm section. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and remember, the first time we played it was at um, Plateau. We used to play there quite regularly which was a restaurant in <laughs> that really, in, that really uh, did plateau didn't it <laughs> where, where was it canary wharf um my arrangement still says plateau y- yeah so does mine. mine well you should have the new arrangement as far as i'm concerned it doesn't matter especially because um, i sound next to seb most of the time so it's like freddie you've got the wrong arrangement again <laughs> it's, it's literally not the arrangement we recorded in my house freddie so <laughs> you've still got the plateau one i do to be fair that gig went on for quite a while considering the amount of like poached eggs and uh prosecco that the band was getting through in the in yeah, the break so yeah. it must have been I, bloody I think, in a fortune i think there was one uh gig where we ran up a bar tab of a thousand pounds come on <laughs> and no, that is that is amazing no to think that's all pre 3 p.m yeah. yeah. So basically, listeners, uh, we had. Uh, I hope they're not. I hope they're not bloody listening. I think, I think, I think it's probably folded. Restaurant mate. exists anymore. Yeah, we had a little residency at um, 
a restaurant over in Canary Wharf called, uh, it's called Plateau. It may still be there, may not be. Um, but obviously, you know, Canary Wharf being empty at weekends of clients, um, they were doing a brunch gig. And, you know, what better way to get customers in than to get a really loud brass band <laughs> to come and play while people are having brunch? And the idea is really good, but I just think we're probably a bit too loud for it. But there'd be bottomless Prosecco and whatnot, and we'd get in on that, and it was nice. And uh, yeah, well, we no- had a nice time. They were, the they were incredibly generous. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, they're yeah. really nice. But it was a good place to go and just um, just try out new material. Yeah, because it it was I think there it was, was very some, relaxed. Yeah, I think there must have been about two where there were sort of, and you could say there was vaguely an audience, but then the rest were quite empty. I think it was yeah, sort of a but it, kind it, of um, a paid run through, really, wasn't it for us for a while? So in, in this thing, I, I'd added in this this uh, little riff, which I'm trying to think where is that where it? What's the origin of it? The the ba 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 bump. Oh, now what is that from? Is that, I want to. Is that bullseye? Is it just? It's just a generic. End of a tune, sort is of. Is it cockney. just part of our very fabric of society? It is, isn't it? It it's, must have been yes. around for a long time. It's like it's a bit. Like, it's a bit da, like. Da, 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 I was going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. No, listen. This what it is. Is that you know when you go to the doc, you know your physician and you you have to cross your legs and they start hitting your knee and then you do a and then your your leg goes forward. Yeah. When Rick's when when that musical riff so fast. Yeah. when that musical riff goes off, da, 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 you automatically go oi like that. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah. that's what yeah, it is. That wide, hard well, what happened us. was I, I'd written it out. So da, 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 well, you know how it goes. Um, and then ba, 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 and I'd written it in with a gap, a group pause. If if anything, maybe the tube went boom, and then it carried on. But I hadn't written anything in, and every single person went, "Oi!" <laughs> just instinct. Yeah, it's just and unavoidable. And I, I just knew. I was like, "Why? Well, that's not what I've written. I, I didn't want that." But everyone did it. I knew <laughs> I'm never going to be able to stop that. It's just human instinct, and and that's it. That that's how it it um it kind of had to stick. Um, and that tune has sort of. It's become a bit of a, a mainstay in the set, mm. um, and there's. I, I, How can you not dance to that to, tune? Though, you know, but that's what I want to talk about. Is, is, it's that two is and a half something beat, about that beat? It is you. It is impossible not to dance to that. Yeah. It. It. And you can see it when you're standing on stage. It's a different. It looks different to any other song we do. Every single person is dancing and and dancing in a certain way. And I don't know. As a as as a uh, a professor of beats. Uh, Rick Ellsworth, do you have any idea why that is? Um, I think that it it comes from like so. There's, there's this drummer, right? He's um, he died recently. Um, he's called Tony Allen, and oh, yeah. he was oh, yeah. and he was he was um, the drummer for this band called Fela Kuti, um, yeah. the pioneers of Afrobeat. Fela Kuti, if you go on, if you look up Fela Kuti on Spotify, you know they've got like. Their, their tunes are like 12, 13 minutes long, and it's just all groove. It's just this sort of persistence, and mm. and it's just that the right sort of persistence of of and repetition of groove. And so I don't think you wanted it to be 
um, originally the speed that it actually is right now. But I think, I think insert that template text about any tune we ever write, and then it gets <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> but I don't but, think you want this, do you? I'm going to give you something different. I know but, I'm not doing what you intended, but it's how it's going to happen. <laughs> but that sort of, but, but but that sort of that sort of speed, that sort of groove, yeah, it's it's Afrobeat, and um, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it um it's quite infectious. And if you've had a few, then you will then you will dance. And if it's a tune that you know, then then yeah. And and also if you add in the concept of da 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 da, oi, you know, yeah. crowd participation three times. Exactly, yeah. You've got yeah, a classic a panto. So, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, interestingly, this is the um, one where we actually recorded uh, two versions with Rick before we mm. added any brass. We recorded two tempo versions. I went along with it, Chris. Oh, right, of course. Yeah, you did. You did as you were told, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you got a faster one in as well. But um, just going back to that, that beat, I don't know. I wonder, is it something to do with, I've noticed this in, in lots of good music or dance music that makes you want to dance. It's the sort of three, three quaver long notes and the, so uh, a dotted, dotted crotchet against uh, uh, mm. on a 4-4 four, four kind of grid. So you get that bam, 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 bam. Coldplay, every that's... teardrop is a waterfall. Ding, 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 ding. Sorry, I know, I don't, you don't yeah. like Coldplay reference, but... We could talk about it in all sorts of... No, no, it's, it's only we could, we could, yeah, but we could be we could be really technical about it. But what it is is that it's something that you can latch onto, and you don't have to be musical yeah. about it. It's got a, you know, it's got you a bounce to, be, to it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and and bum, and you and, bum, you, and bum, you feel bum, that bum, you don't know why, yeah. but you you know you're like, oh yeah, you know, I like this. It makes you do something with your um, behind. Yeah, that's it? right. You 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 dance like that. I think that um, uh, this is a podcast, Seb. It's an audio yeah, podcast. Sorry, I forgot that. <laughs> if you could just all imagine um, me dancing like yeah. this. We, we all um, got it in this Zoom room. Is it that um, uh, it gives you an opportunity for one of the strong beats to be something other than your feet landing on the floor? Because you you don't you wouldn't put your feet on the floor in that beat. You'd probably like you know pop your head up a bit or or like jolt out an elbow or stick your bum out. Whereas, like, the the first beat, you put your foot on the floor, and then the other one is, like, you do a little header or something. I don't know. Like, it's it's a chance um, to... I want to talk right now to Richard Turner, who lived in Santiago oh, for a bit. Oh, there, there you go. I did. Did he? You must have encountered, encountered this kind of beat when you were there. Absolutely. Um, what was the type of music you used to get all the time? You, I remember you yeah, saying so a bit. Yeah, so, obviously, I may or may not have gone out to a few clubs when I was there. Of course. And, um no matter what kind of music they were playing, you know, it could be a salsa club or whatever. Um, more often than not at midnight, the reggaeton would come out and, uh, the room, the room would go nuts Yeah, in a very sort of dirty, grindy way sometimes. (laughs) I mean, obviously not me. I was observing it disgrace, but, uh, you were out there to work. I was, yeah, I was there to work. Yeah. I'd have a good time. Yeah. Whilst we're not working. Work hard, play hard. Um, but yeah, the reggaeton, they go, they go mad for it there. Yeah, it's a similar thing, isn't it? I think, I think some of these things are really primal, aren't they? They just, they just get you moving, and you know, they're, they're sort of almost inbuilt in us. I mean, the um, 
Absolutely. There's a, there's a brilliant YouTube or thing on YouTube by um, Bobby McFerrin and he's doing this. I don't know if it's a TED talk, but he's doing this this um, this talk to a, you know to a big audience and he basically sings sort of the pentatonic scale and he gets the audience to just sing back what he thinks what they think then you know the next note is you know and they yeah. all sing it and you get the whole audience you know 200 people just just singing this note and it's 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 unbelievable it's just you know just like the rhythms that you're talking about that you know people can just they just know what's coming next it just makes them move you know they know what the next note should be um you know they can just feel the rhythm and it just Gets them up. Yeah, and, that's right. If you can tap into those primal instincts that we have, Absolutely. whether it's the pentatonic thing you're talking about or or this particular beat Seb's talking about, it is like a direct shortcut to a, a guaranteed yeah. hit, basically. Mm. Yeah. Like if, it's done <laughs> yeah. all the work for us. Isn't yeah. It? You, know, you just it, sort of go, well, I'm just going to put something on that, on, on that kind of template and it's, <laughs> it will be successful. Because it'll get people moving. I, I think I tried, I tried to. Well, one of the first arrangements many, many years ago, I tried to do uh, Rihanna's Rude Boy, some sort of reggaeton. I mean, I think I failed miserably. And also then we didn't really know what was going to work or not. But obviously the, the tune is... So it's just like you know, all the trumpet play. It just sounded like a load of machine guns, basically. But <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, yeah, the reggaeton thing is... There's, um, absolutely infectious isn't it yeah and i and um i think in this for this arrangement it it's different to others in which in that i um i started uh with the beat that and that, that was the sort of main part of the conception of it um and i've been i don't know if um, any of you've watched this I, I started watching this last night um it's the the timberland masterclass which is online yeah you were talking about this have you seen this, Rick? Uh, to be honest with you, the 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 the, the website. I, I you're the first person that's mentioned this to me, and I right. need to. So, is it is it behind a paywall? Yeah, but it's, there's so much stuff on it. Um, I just started the Timberland one last night, and I thought it's one of the most exciting, interesting things I've ever seen. He's not really he doesn't know about musical theory and stuff, but he he just does it on feeling, and and um, he'll come up with a, a beat. By, by beatboxing first and he'll just get his team to just keep keep looping a metronome and then he'll just add on different aspects so he'll start with like a, a bass drum sort of sound then he'll add a bit of kick then different hi-hats then he'll go right pan that left pan that right and he's got and he creates the whole kind of beat sound world within five minutes he's got this most amazing thing he just keeps adding to it um and then from that he'll go he'll have this sort of idea he'll put a auto-tune on just so it sounds you know it good and in tune and he'll just sing some melody that that's that he can hear out of this and then he'll think he'll come up with some sort of chords and he's got this fully formed tune which you know which will be which will probably become a massive hit and then he goes into the studio and his guys transform that into real sounds real you know sample drums and all kinds of things and coming up with more complex chords or we're just working it all out and and that's the way but he starts with a beat and from that all this imagination um flows and it's so he, and a lot of these videos that there's no words he just he just keeps doing it and you just see him work and it's it's magical to see so i think that's that's um it's what an incredible process and way of working 
I really, I really want to try and do that more with this band because because that's what we're doing really a lot of the time is just get trying to get people to dance. The thing um, is, is that is that we have we have a harder task because we don't make original music. We make yeah, um, we do covers. We and yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, what you're saying, the, I guess the challenge is, is to make these covers to completely reimagine them. You know, yeah, to be to be as creative as possible, isn't it? Within the boundaries of yeah, it's got to be recognisable as as a song. Otherwise, yeah. it wouldn't it wouldn't be the Brastards, would it? Um, but it, it's an interesting way to, to come at it from that way rather than start off with just writing out the melody and then a bass line or put some chords in and then think about the beat. Mm. It's what's quite the, interesting. What's the original groove of It Wasn't Me? It's, it's, di- it's very different, isn't it? Um, let me have a listen to it. All right. The, the the biggest aspect of it is that it's just so much slower. Well, Shaggy's version. Yeah, it's so much slower. I mean, it's just. But, but the thing is, is that when you when you put it in a brass band setting, we can play it quicker because we don't have to get all the words the out. You know? Yeah, yeah. We don't have to do that. We don't have to go. You know? Because if we did it at the speed that we did it, then it would just be completely impossible. So There's it's me a comp- and Barney hitting about eighty percent of. Uh... <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. What we're doing over exactly, there. yeah. <laughs> but you know, sometimes oh, you mean the chicken bit. section? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever I play that bit, I turn around in the live gig, and Rick's behind me, just doing chicken, chicken impressions at me. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's a talent from a drummer, you know, to, to do that and do the chicken impression, you know, that's some skills, you know. But in the original, there's a big fill at the beginning. So it's like, do, 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 like that. It's like on, on synth drums. That's all it is. Uh, yeah, I can yeah. Re- really, really clearly hear the, um, uh, the, the vocal in the chorus. It's a very sweet voice. I don't know who that was. His really name is uh, Rick Rock. Rick Rock. Is he quite famous now then? Or? I don't know. Very, Rick yeah, Rock. Very, I'm looking him up on yeah, Spotify lovely, now. Lovely, a lovely tenor. A lovely tenor voice. He's, he's done some stuff, but um, really he's best known for It Wasn't Me. And then Shaggy comes in and says, it wasn't me. Well, it blatantly was, wasn't it? <laughs> it blatantly was. Yeah. Whatever it was, it I was naughty and he did it. He was lying, wasn't he? he was I've got to say, we don't condone any of the behaviour in, in this song. Oh, absolutely Of not. course not. No, 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 no. I have to say, I think this ra- arrangement came along at a very sort of helpful and good time because we'd just sort of booted Remix to Ignition out of the set. And I used to really love playing that one. I did, I did as well, you know. Yeah. yeah, it was a really good one. Even if they're completely like, I guess the eras sort of cross over with It Wasn't Me and Remix to Ignition. I guess they sort of, they cross a bit. So yeah. they're sort of in a similar era. Seb and I, Seb, uh, we're, well, we're brothers, if anyone doesn't know that. But um, we weren't uh, lucky enough to have like, MTV and stuff at home oh, so oh. going around to any friend's house around that age know, was awful. like always a real special occasion because like we'd like that was the thing you did you just you just you put mtv on and you just had music videos on for like, around all the music channels yeah mm. you just had it on for like yeah hours and hours and hours and um um 
yeah, those, both those tunes, It Wasn't Me and um, uh, Remix to Ignition were like the, so- the sounds of my summer that year. <laughs> 2000 and... <laughs> Uh, 2002 2002 well but that was when that's when i heard it yeah i don't know it was just it was all over mtv (laughs) you didn't hear it for two years (laughs) yeah well that was the first time i saw the video the first time i saw the video of it wasn't me remix to ignition came out in 2002 but but it wasn't Uh, me it was 2000 yeah no i remember i remember watching the it wasn't me thing going very familiar with the song but i've never seen the video i I'm very familiar with this. I've very familiar with this song. Two I'll pro- years. probably I'll probably produce it uh, one day. Yeah, um, but, um, no. <laughs> but then, yeah, yeah, no. But I I, I associate I associate. That. I was I mean that was the yeah the summer I came out of Michelle probably met met all the all the girls from the girls' school. I, I was in my last year of university by that stage, Barn. Yeah, what? That, that's how old oh, it yeah, makes what, me. So yeah. when did you finish Edinburgh, Fred? Was that just a three-year course? Uh, four-year course. So, oh, I suppose don't. So, so uh, maybe I would have been third year, third year mm. in Edinburgh. Yeah, so I came to the me, academy in two thousand and three, right? Yeah. What did, for me, I remember. I remember um, dancing in Ombres in my first year. To it wasn't me. I remember when that first came out. So it was in two thousand. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's just it's such a happy tune. Just has lots of good memories. And remix to ignition was great, but unfortunately, you know as let the people audience know that we're sort of we'd rather not have a an uncomfortable vibe going on in the crowd (laughs) if there's a song that is by someone that has done horrific things we'd rather just leave it out and not suffer the consequences rather than leave the audience sort of as soon as it plays up some people going but yeah i mean your timing with this one seb was perfect because we got that out of the way and then this just became like an instant kind of party favorite um still is but you know it's just it is such a fun one to play yeah you know it's, it's like we said like if i remember talking to kai and he said oh you know when you get a part and you look at it and you when you're trying to edit parts for people he said you know if you look at the part and you look at that and you just think well if i were to play that part it'd be really boring and rubbish it's probably not a good part there should be something or at least try and get something good for everyone in their part in an arrangement to mean that they would actually like playing it if possible you know some sometimes it's not possible um you know, tuba parts might have to just be a bit more functional than than they are. But yeah, if you can sort of spice it up a bit for him. And I guess, you know, this one, I really enjoy playing my part because me and Barney sort of have a dueling trombones bit with the sort of... Is that Rick Rock or Shaggy? I can't remember. No, that's Shaggy. That's Shaggy. Shaggy, yeah. Because he does the nice Did you do that in your recital yesterday, Barney, for the old old ladies? No, I did play it. That one would work really well. What's that? Anna could sing the the nice bit. (laughs) Yeah, she could. And then you go... (laughs) (laughs) I had a a Zoom in lockdown of watching um, a comedy night and um, they... Uh, managed to find out that Anna and I were musicians and so like well well you need to play our act onto the stage so I did play Romesh Ranganathan onto the virtual Zoom stage with um, I think it might have been that actually or or Get Lucky it was it was basically I was like <laughs> they would play something it was like 
And in that moment, I couldn't think of any music in the world at all. <laughs> at all. I couldn't think of any music. It's like, it's I like something from Ramesh. No. I don't know any tunes. I don't know any tunes. And there was, um, I had, there was an iPad next to me and it had uh, all my brass's music on. So I just opened the first thing I found. <laughs> just played in the backing part to get lucky. <laughs> 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 oh, no, play, that's what I came to me. I played Don't You Want My Baby. Rhythm, but it's very, it's similar. Chris and I, um, there's a couple of songs that we've had um, arranged in the band where Chris and I share this like um, uh, tag teaming of, of the tune between trombone one and trombone two. And it's like, don't you want me baby? Uh, Do wop. And, uh, and which is also a rap. Um, and, uh, and it wasn't me. Um, but, and the, the, the trick and the, well, the, the, the challenge in it, Chris, isn't it? It's like making um, a re- repetitive uh, row of notes that is a rap interesting so that's yeah. why i make it sound like a chicken <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> chicken and chainsaw that's it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well that's good so what, everyone has a good part that's that's um that's nice yeah i guess i tried to do that because yeah. otherwise it's boring isn't it I, I did the classic you know give the bass tremone the middle eight. Oh yeah 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 <laughs> yeah so, um, that, yeah. Yeah, that always that seems one. to be a, an easy way to to get get them involved feel like they've keep got him, a tune keep him happy keep him quiet yeah <laughs> <laughs> and yeah and then I d- what i don't know what else what what i could talk about arrangement wise it just kind of plays itself doesn't it and it just kind of felt found its own it found its own sort of tempo uh i didn't write anything for percussion um <laughs> we, we, <laughs> never, we never really did back in 2018 no but actually said that was then a blessing with the in terms of when we went to record it, which I will get yeah. onto, but yeah. yeah, 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 we will talk about that. Do you but, want um, to talk about uh, the the Cockney aspect of it? Because it will become present in uh, our video eventually if we do a Cockney dance. Cockney aspect. What well, it's sort mean? of like hey, up, doop, 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 sort of. I just imagine I'm in a pub in the East End, but maybe that's just because where we always play. Well, it. that's probably because that because you are in a pub in the East End. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's because of the bim 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 bim. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, um, apples and pears. Hey, oi, Shaggy, come and sell me a cut of apples and pears. Yeah, but <laughs> well, that's what I was asking earlier. Like, what's that from? It must be a Cockney thing. Cockneyland. Yeah. Cockneyland. Yeah. Well, yeah. East East London, isn't it? Is, is it? It's East the rhythm London. you you knock on a front door no, of that's someone d- when you're, d- when d- you're d- feeling. D- oh, yeah. It's not Grange Hill or something, is it? Oh, that is okay, listeners, listeners, all all ten of you. um, If any of you know (laughs) what it's from, do tweet us. Yeah, Yeah, we want to know. We want to know. It is a bit. It is a bit Grangeo, isn't it, Freddie? I'm sure Kai used to because he he slipped Grange Hill into. Couple of it's more. Time. It's more the end of um, uh, Thomas the Tank Engine. Da 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 da. Yeah. Mm. I think it might be Bullseye. I think it's the end of Bullseye. <laughs> 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 he must be based on something. Can't be Bullseye. That's you know. This is an ungoogleable yeah, thing. Yeah, it's really hard when you get right. It's like it's like the Northern Lights. It's on it unexplained. 
think they have slain <laughs> <laughs> No, they've not. They've just talked about it. It's not explained. No one can explain to me why a band goes da 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 and a crowd goes, Oi! You couldn't explain that to me, all right? No. <laughs> no. Is it not for like a trad cockney, cockney knees up in a East London boozer and you've got one person on the piano or whatever and they're probably just playing that lick all the time and everyone's going, Oi! Yeah. Is it a Chaz and Dave thing? I think it predates that. I think it's just music hall. Um, I don't know. It's like the pentatonic scale. It's it's always been there within our psyche. It is some pentatonic, isn't Mm. it? I wonder what um, what old... um, Bobby McFerrin. Bobby McFerrin would would make of it. (laughs) He'd probably know. He'd he'd absolutely know. He'd be jumping all across the stage going... <laughs> oh my god, what was that Bobby McFerrin um thing that was put on our playlist that we share with some friends recently? So it just goes it's like <laughs> What is that one? <laughs> Do you know what I mean, Seb? Uh, yeah, I can't remember the fox is shagging outside my window. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, this tracks, you know, it's out and out party, isn't it? It's like being at a festival. Or something. And I think we've kind of chatted before about you know the process about bastards going to you know respective producers, you know either yours, Barney, or Johnny's houses, and you know it's very different than performing it live, isn't it? You get one at a time, and then I just want to sort of chat to you a bit about how you kind of get the sort of party atmosphere into it. You know when it's such a I guess it can. It, I guess it can be a bit sterile in a in a studio atmosphere. So, well, what have yeah. You, what have you done? You I, know, think, have you I think I think there's there's risk of that. But when you have such a strong start as like having Rick's drum part down, it's already exciting because you've got the, that groove. And we've talked about that being like um, the driving force behind any kind of dancing or enjoyment from the off. So that's great. And then and then obviously with like the tuba in there and stuff, like you're you're only you're only going from a, a good launch point from that from there on. So, but then yeah, I mean, um, I obviously there's there's the chance to record everyone's always as well. So the first one comes less than a minute into the track, I think, doesn't it? Or around that point. So after even after like by the first take, a minute in, I've I've got like my my player who's sat there in front of the microphone to to yell oi really noisily so that's already kind of like excited them a little bit and then it just kind of goes from there really like just, just a bit of, lo- bit of a looser there yeah a bit like, looser it's just on, like let it go and then obviously up. you can go around again and i took like options of from everyone for each bit of like various oi's and i had all sorts of weird noises people made and strange words people said and i yeah obviously i couldn't use all of them but like um i uh Ultimately, I did thin that down a little bit and made it so that most were oi, because I wanted I wanted that to be like the, the chorus of it. But there's the other thing I think Chris goes, something That sounds like a Chris Smith noise to me. And then presented with the opportunity. Yeah, I think Dave Hopkin did like a, ah! It's all in there. And then just in general, I uh just want the environment to be a really relaxed environment anyway it's certainly not an uptight space it's a place where people should just play as they want to play and i will give some light coaxing and and guidance if we need it in a certain direction but like it's not a um um i don't want it to be a stressful room at all so yeah i think i think being that relaxed and like having rick's 
groove going through it. Like you're already kind of winning there, really. Um, and but that is a real sort of skill of a producer, isn't it? Like you know, to kind of create the atmosphere in the room or from the box yeah. where the person recording feels comfortable. To, you know, to be themselves and yeah, and I think it's, uh, you're going to get the I've best sort of out of them. Learned that from um, Johnny uh, Johnny producing and sitting there as a player in his room and 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 um, knowing like how he put me at ease and and other producers as well I've worked with over the time over time or whatever and um, so then me going into this process of being the producer for lots of people coming in and out of the studio over a week or two. The, more than anything that I wanted to achieve with these four tracks was um, a relaxed nature from everyone that they could recreate what they do on stage because they were relaxed rather than them sitting down and just immediately being like, it's got to be like this and it's got to be like this. And like, I just, I just, yeah, more than anything, I thought if, if people come in and are happy and relaxed, we're much more likely to recreate what happens on a Friday night on stage with a crowd there egging them on um, because no one's going to have those inhibitions. And I think, mm. I think I'm really glad that I sort of had a bit of that foresight and it was through having like chats with, with Johnny about it in advance and stuff that, that we both were like, we've got, we've got to make sure that happens and chatting with a couple of players as well, who might've been like, you know, kind of apprehensive about the upcoming um stuff because of the way we were doing it it wasn't going to be the normal kind of like 10 of us on stage feeding off each other's vibe it was going to be like you know people were worried how are we going to do this so yeah that gave me the the um the desire to kind of have that foresight to just go okay this is going to be a safe space and then we mm-hmm. can build fun on top of that and i'm i think we got it i'm happy with it like i thought everyone seemed happy Absolutely. I mean, and speaking as a, you know, a performer that, go, you know, that goes in and does it, I think when we've recorded with 10 people before, there is that nervousness is that, you know, we've only got a certain, you know, a finite amount of, of lip and time in the studio and you don't want to be the one that splits it. So, you know, going into a relaxed environment with you or Johnny and you, you know, if you split a note, it doesn't matter. Just immediately stop it and go back and, it. And, and do it again. It and you matter. can, and you actually, can just relax. Actually, what I wanted to capture on this um, was if the vibe is right and it is an incredible take, and there's a bit of a note knocked over or something, I'm not going to say that that take is a complete no-no or write-off because if that is m- more like the the way I'd hear it from one of you in the blues kitchen, that's what we should be putting on the record because we've put out things in the past that might be too sterile and we, we um, want to make sure that we are giving a, as much of a representation of our live nature as possible. So, yeah. That's I, think, how- I think that's right to cut you off there. I think that's a really good point though, because, you know, if you listen back to some of the stacks recordings and, you know, some of the oh, yeah. you know, real soul stuff, you know, if you, you really listen hard enough in the horn section there's people splitting it left, yes. right, and centre, but it doesn't matter it because adds to it, doesn't it? You just got the energy. It's the, it's the kind of the raw energy which is adding to it, isn't it? Um, yeah. Rather, and, and you know, if if you've got people there that are like worried about hitting every note straight on the head, it just it's just not it's just not the same. It kills it basically. Yeah, more, more than um, in this music that we're playing, this style of music that we're playing, I think more than um, exactly correct sort of 
technique or, or production, it's about groove. And if we're all sitting correctly in the right groove and, and vibe and timbre, then 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 we're going to have an amazing track because we're going to be gelling with Rick and it's just everyone's going to dance. Whereas if people are going, but my teacher at the Royal College of Music told me to play exactly like this and, and it's like, no, 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 no. It needs to be... It needs to be sassy and um, just like, yeah, really in, in the pocket. Um, and uh, yeah, but so that that was like, that's the starting point of that sort of um, party vibe. But then through other means, I was able to then build on that uh, because, yeah, this had to be like party track. And my approach with that from the outset was, I've done it with a few of my tracks um, that I produced, but... Um, was adding kind of uh, ambience or sort of um, background noise or sort of, would you call it foley? In this, I I was really inspired by um, like Marvin Gaye, um, got, got to give it up um, and what's going on. They both start with um, just like you're in a bar. And people are just like, all right, hey, hey, dude, all right, hey. And just people greeting each other and there's glasses clinking and there's low chitter chatter. So that's how this track starts. It was like, I wanted it to be like how it would be if we played this gig in in a gig on a like, Friday night or whatever at Blue's Kitchen. And, um, and then from there, it only just gets rowdier and rowdier. And um, yeah, and then... But the biggest difference that added that party vibe, um, on top of all the oys and shouts and everything like that, and the background noise was um, the percussion that was added on top of Rick's stuff. Um, we we got James Null to do this to do his percussion for us because um, uh, it would have been Eddie, but we were in lockdown and 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 we couldn't use Eddie. Um, and James has his whole remote set up at home. And obviously, we recorded Rick's kit round James's. Um, but so I just said, obviously we talked about with Seb about, he hadn't written any percussion for it. So I said to Seb, well, what do you want on this? And it was like, well, just let James just try things, you know? So we, I just said, just throw, throw the absolute kitchen sink at it, mate. Like just send, send me back any ideas you have. And he sent me back so much stuff, so many tracks <laughs> and instruments and stuff. And I absolutely didn't use it all. I layered it in places and, and used some of it. But the thing that the thing that sort of um, rang with me more than anything else that, that just really excited me and got that kind of like groove that was just ticking over, just like kind of constant semi-quavers and stuff that were being passed around percussion section and stuff, was it was more the, the trinkets and the tinkly things and the glass and the, the cowbell. You hear the, and you hear that stuff in like the Marvin Gaye, like cowbell and stuff, um... And so it, it means that what you end up getting, whether the, you know, the glass, so he's playing glass bottles and they're going like, ding, 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 ding. We actually use this for the podcast music because it's so wonderful, yeah, layered up. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, this is like, we've created a world here just with like these sounds James has given me. Mm. So the, the glass bottle might be doing a rhythm, which isn't covering every quaver in, in a, 
in a sort of bar, like ding, 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 ding. But then the cow's going, goom, 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 goom. And once you put more and more things on it, you've just got this. And that just helps on top of Rick's. It's the sprinkling, the hundreds and thousands. It's wonderful. And so then uh, that was, that was the, probably the biggest kind of um, eureka moment in, in the, of all four tracks, percussion wise, it was, it was, it wasn't me percussion wise that was just like, oh my God, this track has just become, like it's just got to where we wanted it to be just through this. Um, but I, I think, um, just sorry to interject there, but it show, it really shows the power, doesn't it? Of it really not does. having, not having written it down and just going in and experimenting. Yeah. And you know, some of the, some of the greatest records ever written have been like that. For instance, you know, Exile on Main Street, they've got the Rolling Stones and they all had to get out of the country because of tax reasons. And they just, you know, they've hired a massive house and they've just all gone there. Mm. Probably probably had a massive party as well. Mm. Um, but just written some incredible music. They didn't know what they were going to do when they got there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, I think I think with every now and then there's space to do that. There's... There's like, you know, we've talked, yeah, like you've got the parameters of like the tracks. Like, well, that is what's happening. So just add your magic on this. Yeah, I mean, James really did. And I, I left, there's a lot of things I left out as well because I just didn't think it was appropriate. Like kind of boomy bongos and, and congas. It was like, well, actually these aren't, these are not for this track at all. This track was all about, cause it just reminded me of like Notting Hill Carnival or something. You just, mm. you just, you know, there'd be whole groups of people just like vibing along to some track and someone might just have like a triangle going ding, 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 ding. And someone else might just be like smashing the hell out of like a can or something. And, and that was the other thing. Once I heard James just playing glass bottles and I'm sitting there producing, I'm like, hang on a sec. You tell me I can add anything to this. <laughs> so, so, I, so I'm sat there and, and I, and I'm, I've got my breakfast with me and it's, you know, a bagel on a plate and a coffee cup. And I've, and I've got a, a, hi-fi remote next to me so i was like oh, i'm just gonna i want more, even more semi-quavers running through this so i just added some of that so there's also a bit of um remote control and coffee cup on there and <laughs> it just it just doesn't matter because it's i mean yeah i mean i'm sure what you when you were a tiny kid rick you before you got bought your drum kit you were banging pots and pans oh yeah i i, I used to um what i used to do was uh, i used to arrange the sofa so i used to have a cushion on one arm of the sofa and like so a cushion on each arm of the sofa and then I used to get me um Phil Collins seriously live in Berlin VHS stick it on (laughs) and that's how I actually got into drumming (laughs) it is it is seriously how I got into drumming yeah brilliant yeah amazing but so yeah James, James did really incredible things on on that track um Thank you so much, James. Yeah. It, it, Ooh, the knoll of sound. And it just, I don't know, I just, it reached that party that we wanted it to be. And then, and then also we had this old footage as well um, of uh, Arctic Monkeys gig we'd done. And the whole crowd launches into um, this chant for Dickie saying, Chuba, Chuba. Mm-hmm. Um, not helped on by us at all. We did not encourage that. Um, <laughs> but um, so I was like, well, yeah, I mean, we need to, I want to show, as well as putting, crowd noise in just general crowd noise i want to show real moments of where um it's genuinely our crowd getting excited about us um and there's a bit in brian storm in arctic monkeys show where we 
freeze like statues and the crowd uh, initially confused and then they realised that we're doing a thing and we're, we're doing theatre, darling. And um, and they start to get a bit more rowdy and excited as we don't move an inch. And then they're like, come on, come on. So I put all that in at the end um, and... Um, and then and then put this tuba chant at the end and then so that is so that's a real bit of us and then one more thing which Seb uh, came to me about was we he'd watched uh, um, this really informative video and very um, inspiring video by uh, Jacob Collier who's talking about putting um, putting sounds and like foley and stuff on onto beats uh, and. Uh, and just like running under underneath music to give you the feeling that you want without even people knowing they're hearing that. So he had like this really cool track. It was calming and everything. He was like, I want people to be calm. So um, you might not hear this, but there's actually, there's a stream running underneath this. So he takes everything out. You just hear this stream, just like a nice bit of water. And you're like, oh, wouldn't, wouldn't have known that. Okay, okay. so I, f- I feel calm listening to this sort of subliminally. Um, and then... Another thing he put, he wanted something to feel like a carnival atmosphere. And, and it was like, okay, this is interesting. So this is, I mean, we nicked this. Thank you, Jacob Collier. But it's an idea. But we, he, he was like, I, I've put Mardi Gras, um, a split second of Mardi Gras crowd um, onto onto the beats here. Um, and it was at the same time as the snare, I think. Um, well, certainly what I ended up doing. But so you don't hear it. You hear the snare. But... Um, and so that's how it ended up on ours. And so if you take away the snare on ours, you just hear this. And so people hear it and you go, why, why do I feel like there's a crowd going mental? And it's sort of subliminal. It's not, I didn't want it to have it in the levels where it was uh, obvious and overpowering. and certainly not louder than the snare. Um, but yeah. And that was a great video in it, Seb. Like, yeah. It's uh, the song's called "Time Alone with You," so he's mm. done a, a breakdown of his logic session on YouTube. Yeah, so interesting, very entertaining. Yeah, so there's another one on the um, uh, he did on the Moon River arrangement. He did. Yes, which won a Grammy for. Fantastic, he won a Grammy for that. It's it's so great, and it's it's all a cappella that one. Mm. Um, but th- there is one part where there's a really beautiful little um layering thing he does and it's a real uplifting moment and he's popped in a little bit of um sort of popping sound going that kind of thing and you wouldn't know to the point you would never know know that's there because you think oh it's just a cappella tune but there is actually like a little popping sound and it just makes you think Mm. happy uplifting yeah thoughts it's a subliminal thing and um yeah i mean we, we, we sort of lifted it for this um my my what, sort of in, what a great technique yeah it's wicked but like my sort of natural kind of inclination towards putting extra noises on tracks that aren't just the music comes from um like i just remember real big fish always doing it and um they would just you, you go like, well this, this definitely is a studio track but then suddenly you'd just be like oh hang on i'm in a club and that could they they'd add like a crowd a crowd sort of participation bit in from a live version they might have done or something. And Sublime did it a, a bit, didn't they, Seb? And uh, didn't didn't they? Um, I feel like probably. Did, like I'm trying to think. I don't know what um, what one you mean. Santeria. Santeria starts in a club. Yeah, there's um, another one. More recent one is um, is from To Pimp a Butterfly. Uh, I at the end of of that track, 
of, of that album, um, which is like based on the, the the kind of music's based on the Isley Brothers tune. I can't remember the name of it, but um, but uh, it's um, it's it's the same that kind of Marvin Gaye thing. It starts off and it's a, it's a club kind of vibe, mm. and he sings this song, but then it all breaks down, and then he starts going into this incredible thing about uh, black history um but that that was the same thing i always remember listening to that album but and i that came out in 2015 and i hadn't really done any sort of production or anything i hadn't really thought about it and i always but i always remember that tune in particular stood out because it suddenly felt like this feels like it's in a location and it's in front of a crowd Mm. and i always thought that would be an interesting way for us to try and record our tunes because we we really as a band we we need a crowd um it, our, our tunes on their own um what well, if we record them in a very studio setting there's something missing because all whenever we play there's always people singing the words along or there's just people making noise and it's a really important aspect which gets it's, it's missing otherwise so um i i always thought with that song maybe we can take elements of of that kind of approach to to add in that ambiance to to to, to um do you say ambience i'd say ambience actually <laughs> ambience. Ambience. I'd, say, I'd say ambience <laughs> yeah ambience kind of surely amb- <laughs> that that ambience to um just just to recreate what it is like to watch us live because because we're not a studio band really we're, we're a live band That's when you take main, um the thing. crowd and the live experience out of it wasn't me it's a pretty basic, potentially boring arrangement. Actually, um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's boring. I, I, I would say that what you've done is enhanced it because it's meant. It's it's not. It's oh no, it's made by an audience. It's made by an audience, isn't it? So it's it's a, it's a great yeah. track in itself. But yeah, but, but I mean, it's quite. Know. It's simple. So if we put it out in its simple form, it it wouldn't have been representative of what it is that we do with it. So it would have been wrong, basically. So we had yeah. to make that one more than others. Because, like, for example, like Johnny, his work on Everything Will Be All Right is the opposite way. It's like it's gone he's, because it's such an epic. He's taken it to a place that is like, well, this isn't live. This is definitely not live. This is has studio production on it. And it's so mm. interesting. And, everything. and so, like, that works for that track because um, um, it, it probably exists better in that space like it's taking it to a better thing but like the best way for it wasn't me to exist is in a rowdy room with people singing along and dancing so we have to i think we had to get it there representing that is this the one that's got hoppo in it going oh woo girl as well as always at the point where the, the crowd are getting uh rowdy about us being statues in brian storm which I, I put that audio in and i yeah also got you to just as we got to that point in the recording room, I was like, okay, just start, start getting excited down the microphone. And um, <laughs> yeah, all sorts of who was your, who nonsense was your coming out. Who Dave was, your was pretty smashing. Um, <laughs> uh, and that was the other thing, actually. Then I sent, I said to Rick, you you didn't record at my house. Like, I want you on. I want you on the OIS and all that. I was like, can you send me stuff? Um, <laughs> actually, that was the point at which I added my remote control and coffee cup because he didn't just reply with OIS and everything. He replied with like 
It was just like he was just walking around his room, banging anything and smacking, <laughs> smacking cushions. The dog, cushions the dog comes in. You yeah, know. Do- he's doing all sorts of stuff. He's laughing his way through it. And I was like, and I put it all in and I was like, right, if, if Rick can just like tap his bloody, you know, his window blinds and, and think that's adding to it, then I'm going to, I'm going to smash a remote next to this microphone. And then, uh, and then that was lovely as well. Cause then Rick laughs at the end cause he's made himself laugh so much. <laughs> on his- <laughs> <laughs> and So we've got this as the track dies away, we've got Rick laughing and it, and it's like, okay, this is really nice because I artificially, um, it's like at the like at the end of um, like bike, Biker Grove or something. Yeah, yeah. Because like ah, 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 ah. <laughs> like, I, I artificially put uh, the the tuba track in the um, at the end of the song. It was like up until that point, it felt like that's really cool. But obviously, I know I faked that, and I was like, okay, so it, it something was missing for me. And then having Rick then laughing on top of that. It just tied it all together like, well, that was real. That was us. Mm-hmm. And that was about this track. And so it just melded everything. Um, so once again, um, Rick didn't do what I asked him to do, but it was better. <laughs> <laughs> Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Oh, yeah, I suppose I was what I was thinking about tacking on to the end of what you were saying is it's a really good point how in production you can have um, two approaches. You know, you've got your it wasn't me kind of 
recreating the live thing and then as you were saying johnny's everything will go out you're just saying right this is not how it, the band sounds live yeah the, band, doesn't ha- the, you know, just the band yeah doesn't play in a massive bathtub co- and doesn't yeah. have a zillion people singing it mm. and you know i think it's quite a good distinction to make isn't it because mm. i think some you know as a as a younger lad i noticed that with like supergrass i think there's like three three guys in the band and then all of a sudden yeah, and all of a sudden on the record, you've just got so many different instruments and things. It's like, well, yeah, I suppose this is making up with the fact that I'm not, I'm not there, you know, witnessing it live, really. Mm. Yeah, mm. I think that's something I've always sort of, when I, especially when I was younger, I always grappled with when bands were seemingly just this small thing, but then they'd get in the studio and they'd just go for it and just, they've obviously got time to throw whatever they want in. And then you go, well, how are they going to do that live? And I'm, I'm, when I was younger, I think maybe just a bit more narrow-minded, I thought, no, probably, you know, oh, well, that's not what I want. I want them just to be them and doing their thing, and that's yeah. how it should be. And they shouldn't be getting outside people in to do whatever. Um, I don't know. And then, But then as you get older, it's just like, yeah, well, actually, get in a studio and do, do whatever you, you can and, and make you, it and sound you, great. You take like, someone like, like Bon Iver, who will, like, night after night, change his arrangement of the songs that he did on an album... And every night, like one night, it will be, um, oh, he's changed it and he's he's um, he's put it all onto trombone quintet. And then the next night, it will be like a, a saxophone quartet. And then it'll just be him and a guitar the next night. And it's just like, well, it's his. So he can do yeah, what he wants with it. With it yeah. It's not up to you. It's not up to the crowd. Yeah. It's like, um, it's, oh, Johnny said this actually um, in one of the podcasts. He said, it's not finished. It's, just because it's out, it doesn't mean it's finished. So it can keep changing and keep um yeah uh morphing into whatever it becomes and it's and it's and that's I mean, okay I, I think I, I think they say that um I don't know who they are but I've certainly heard them say it <laughs> that true art is transient so you know keeps moving eh yeah. so yeah you can you can record something but doesn't necessarily mean that it's finished yeah. mm. that's why I watched just... uh, watched Bowie at Glastonbury the other day yeah. and um you know he's got some very different arrangements of his of his songs um it, it just morphs doesn't it and you, you come back to old songs but you, you're doing it in a new way with a new ensemble and that's it's it. always it's always transient and um, well, that's, that's the beauty of life isn't it it's, it's experience and with different experiences you're going to give you yeah. a different viewpoint on on anything on any art mm. and actually or art if, if you view our um these eight singles that we've done I wouldn't view those as the starting points. I'd view us doing the clubs as the starting points. These are just one take of them on 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 their sort of yeah their yeah. existence. But we just yeah. recorded a socially distanced thing with no audience this week, um, and they exist again in another form now as well. That's that's another part of their existence, and that and they're they're bloody exciting as well, but they're different. Mm. But you know, there's other there's other factors as well which change it. So you're talking about. Just going in and throwing everything in the kitchen. Everything. Oh, I say that again. I threw my kitchen out. I just threw the kitchen. I threw it in the kitchen. <laughs> threw the kitchen <laughs> sink <laughs> out. Put it in the kitchen sink. I like it in there um, with all the other dishes. Get it washed. <laughs> but uh, what was I going to say? I was just going to say that this other, this other things as well, existing factors, isn't they, that change things. Uh, oh, it definitely. Oh, I think say. I know what you're saying. <laughs> I'm saying. No, I get what you're saying. Like now, say. so on Monday we approached. Um, the the singles as a set and we played them live to no crowd and we played Everything Will Be Alright which since the last time we played it we've had a lockdown and 
that has taken on a new significance for us, that sentiment. Yeah, so all of the different external factors that are going on also affect, you know, the art which being created. So the lockdown enabled James Knoll to just go into the studio with a completely blank manuscript mm. and that had a sort of significance significantly yeah. uh, a significantly big effect on the track didn't it totally so totally. it's just and, funny and how you know, what's other, going on in life affects the other tracks the he played on as well which which we will cover but yeah yeah no he did really great things um along with lots of other amazing collaborators and that's right yeah friends right. of yeah, odb yeah, yeah. we're very <clears> lucky <throat> yeah all those all those great all the people <laughs> yeah i mean even the people that probably haven't been mentioned on this podcast yet, like, you know, Tom Fern, for instance, who's doing a fantastic job with all of the graphics and things. Yeah, and, His yeah, work is one of the first things people see of us before they even hear us. Exactly. Yeah. He's convincing people to listen, almost. Is Tom Fern the guy that does um, does the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the logos? Yeah, logos, artwork for their singles. Yeah, Uh, you know he's done he's done all sorts, and we're so lucky that Chris was in the same halls, a residence. I was in with people that were sort of he's yeah, it's quite complicated. Yeah, because I was in intercollegiate halls, made friends with people. He was on course with them, and then you know you all start hanging out together, and yeah, he's really good. He's got this good, you know he he's done album covers for the graphic design company that he works for and used to have a good I mean telling me about like he was doing a primal scream one and Bobby Gillespie would like come into the office with this book that he'd found that was a certain colour of red you know he's like I want it this colour so like, okay cool but, yeah, so took Tom to took it to uh, Dulux yeah yeah he's just like, okay, cool, watch out. Right. yeah you know it's just things like that and he says you know like you know, we, you know Tom is a very nice guy and he sort of he sort of just does it in his own time when he's not doing, you know, he's a professional graphic designer, but he'll do this all in his own time for us, which is great. And we were like, oh, we're really sorry, Tom, to be like, you know, we don't want to be really precious about it or, you know, we don't want to, you know, be too demanding. And he's like, oh, no, you know, and you tell, you know, half the stories of the people he works with and how into what they get and this fixed vision that they have, and then he's got to create it for them. It's all just kind of like, sounds like a nightmare. So sometimes we're just like, oh, well, you know, whatever you can think of, we kind of trust you, see what you've got. And then we'll see what you, you know, see what it looks. And he's, you know, he hits the nail on the head quite a lot of the time, doesn't he? Like, yeah, absolutely. Very good. I reckon it's a very difficult job being a graphic designer because you've got people going in there trying to tell you what your job is. But most of the time, he, he, he probably could have just done, you know, a, a, a really amazing job. Yeah. Bobby Gillespie didn't need to say that much. He probably would have just done it. But Yeah, exactly, yeah. He's kind of got to tap into other people's brains to see what they're actually got in their imagination, which must be quite difficult. Um, but yeah, he's great. And so yeah, so if you're listening, Tom. Yeah, hey Tom, thanks. <laughs> thanks we very really much, like mate. You. Love you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, big fan. We love you. We love you, Tom. Um, Barney, you were saying something about an impromptu solo by Dave at the end. Did you oh, just we... do it, or did you have to? Well, I don't know, Freddie. Am I right in thinking he doesn't usually do that in a gig? No, he does. Again, it's like all of these things. Like what we like, what Dickie was saying earlier, it's just sort of evolved. Yeah, you know, the more that we pr- play the tune, the more that we just sort of start to add things. Mm. Um, well, that's the wonderful thing about there being two of you as well, with you and him there on the top part. It meant that we could even be even be even like even truer on on the recording that Dave isn't playing a first trumpet part on the recording underneath his solo. 
which can create things like phasing and stuff. You don't you want to avoid that because you're you're playing the, that first trumpet part and yeah. you know smashing that out of the park anyway on the track. So then it, then Dave plays this improvisation on top, and that is our true sound. There's no um, there's no fakery there or anything. It's so it's one more thing that helps make that track as kind of like most like authentic representation of what we do live, which is really cool. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And it's playing to all of our strengths. And, you know, one of the brilliant things is, is, you know, Dave does just come up with these things, you know, he's, he's very creative. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's one of the joys of sharing a part with him that we don't, you know, we both play to each other's strengths. Um, and he's, he's more creative and more, more, more soloistic and will literally play these, you know, beautiful solos and you know i'm not sitting there going green with envy thinking oh that's my solo you're taking it away from me you know i'm thinking yeah mate that sounds awesome you know that's, you know carry the on carry thing on about the brass is yeah it? just utter support between everyone how does it feel fred because obviously this is quite an interesting situation to be in because obviously it's not often that brass players would play with like a i guess you could say it's like a desk partner isn't it yeah like we- we you, both sort of kind of bump each other, same, really. Yeah, it's like the same thing, but all that's, you know, quite a lot. Whereas yeah. it, it might happen occasionally in an orchestral gig if you're going to bump someone. It's just like, a, yeah. it's not, it doesn't happen well, it's, very often. But this is like something that you obviously, you must have to form a little partnership in a way. Yeah, I mean, it, it all happens very organically, really. Um, generally, when we're reading through a tune for the first time, we'll take it in turns to start the tune and we'll play a phrase each. And it's literally as simple Mm. as that. And occasionally we might get to a bit that is more suitable for, you know, my trumpet skills. So, you know, there'll be a bit of chopping and changing, but most of the time it's, it's, it's literally as simple as playing it from A A to B and we'll, we'll take a phrase each. And Mm. there's really no ego, ego involved at all. It's, you know, it's it's actually really wonderful, and I think quite a, quite a lot of the time it's 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 difficult to hear when I stop playing and when Dave takes over or Dave starts playing. You know, it, it's our sounds blend very easily. I mean, I think I don't know what I mean. Maybe that's that's just my ego thinking yeah. that it's all, it's it's all amazing, and maybe you guys actually, you know, Barney doing. I, you know, no, doing I think you. Recording. I mean, I've listened to you a lot in my ears over lockdown, and I think that's absolutely true. But also, you you both have then the ability to go off and do your unique thing at the times where that is necessary as well. Absolutely. So, like you know, Dave might un- unleash the beast of like improvisation <laughs> or something. And then you will like just ping out these like sweet, beautiful, like um, <laughs> super high lines and stuff that, that is, is far and away like different to what, how Dave would approach that. So, um, but you can always obviously bring it back to being a, a blended pair as well. Absolutely. Which is, which is a I, great skill to have. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I think part of the beauty of it is that, that, you know, Dave and I have both played second or third a lot in our careers and being used to blending with the first player. So we're not just... Use your ears more, don't you, as a second player, I think. Absolutely, you have to. You have to. You know, it's not about you. It's about, you know, it's about the first player and trying to (laughs) make them sound even better. So, you know, we both compliment. When, you know, when it's Dave's turn to shine, I'll absolutely, you know, do my do my best to, to, to make him sound as, as good as he can be. And, you know, he does the same to me. So it's, yeah, it's it, really lucky and really, you know, lovely organic sort of relationship really to, to, to be in with Dave on the first part. And it's, yeah, it just works. It works seamlessly. What's your strengths, Freddie? 
as a trumpet player, what, what's your what's your thing? Um, I kind of like to think of my. I mean, I study classically, um, and I don't really. I mean, although I can play high notes, I'm not really. I'm not a lead. Really, a lead player. I can play the lead notes, but but not in the same style as a lot of other people can because I, I didn't I didn't grow up in that big band world so that's still all that I, you know I can hum the tune of it but you know I wouldn't wouldn't necessarily say I was a lead player so I'm, I'm sort of like a classical lead player so like as, as Barney says you know if you want to play something just sort of up the octave in a classical way that you know just make it sound pretty that's probably mm. my we've got plenty of that's probably that my real strength. Our repertoire haven't we like you look at something like everything will be all right it is it is about this kind of like epic sort of soaring greatness. It's not, um, it's not a big band tune. Well, no. it kind of goes into it in moments, but yeah, it's so. You, yeah. um, I feel like you, you've got a sort of seemingly unlimited high range. And <laughs> it's very kind. And you, it's you untrue, like very kind. The trumpet equivalent of like a sine wave on a keyboard. It's, it's sweet and, and, and smooth. And doesn't it doesn't have like a you know as when people get higher they often it gets a bit more ugly and and raw and 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 a, a bit of an edge to it. You can just play with just effortless ease up there, and and you can just hold it all day. So you've got an amazing strength as well up there, and it but it doesn't sound like you're really forcing it. And yeah, so that is such an, uh, a useful thing to have in a trumpet section. Oh, thank you, thank Someone you. Can do that. That's that's very kind. I, I yeah, I think it just goes back to that sort of classical upbringing, really, of just trying to make a beautiful sound. Um, yeah. And no, you know, the laser beam is, is is handy, and I feel, you know, sometimes I can do that too. But mostly, you just you want to hear something nice and pretty, um, yeah. occasionally with a bit of an edge to it, and and you know that's what I, that's what I try and bring. Yeah. Between you and Dave, you you complement each other so well because Dave. Dave hasn't got quite as high a range as you, but he he can. I wouldn't say. Would you say he has? Um, I think he's got more power than me up there. So I think sometimes when he's hitting a, you know, a G or something, I'm like, wow, that's you know. Oh yeah, and Dave was G's. my last um, session in in these things, and I was like so worried about my neighbour. <laughs> it was the, it just the loudest sound I've ever heard, and. Yeah. Dave wanted to keep trying different solos on that end bit and, and it was mm-hmm. the end of the day and 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 it was like uh, yeah it was it was just absolutely insane it was something else he's so noisy up there isn't he he is <laughs> he is he is and it, it, it's unbelievable it's, it's, it's like playing with Irwin as well you know you're just like oh my god how you know how how are you doing that um yeah so we both definitely both got different strengths um yeah yes yeah, I mean it's but but that's the, that's the same in you know in brasters as a whole. We've all each of us brings something different to the party, and it's you know it's a wonderful collective to be a part of. Yeah, it's funny, lucky. isn't it? Like how how trumpet players, it's it's sort of like oh yeah, you can play these these high notes so well and everything like that, and then you've got your your sort of lower brass players, and they're like oh yeah, you can play those low notes really 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 well. And that's sort of like what you get defined by, in a way. And I know that that you that you have because I know that you know, lower instruments, higher instruments, and what like that. But everything else in between, like what about the middle? 
Mm. Well, doesn't it doesn't it annoy you, Fred? Because I mean, I know you can you can play high and everything, but you know, what about everything else? I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's what about a very everything else. Um, you know, I used to do classical gigs. Um, and now actually, you know, I've been really lucky and I do quite a lot. Well, quite a lot. I, I, I do, I, I play in an orchestra. Not anymore, does, mate. Not anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all stopped. Um, uh, but, um, yeah, with Chris as well, we used to do this, um, film orchestra. So I get to do lots of lovely film scores, mm-hmm. which has been so lovely to get back to sort of my roots of playing more classically. Um, because as soon as you start playing some high notes, people just think that that's that's all you can do yeah right um, so you get you get pigeonholed quite quite quickly um and yeah it's it, it can be it can be frustrating but um equally then people will book me to do higher note gigs so you know i i shouldn't complain but um yeah it's, yeah, it's probably is lovely important to, to mention that like brasses is something that we all do and all sort of slot into but we we put our brasters hat on for brasters but we all go and do other things don't we and and, and put on a different hat for that and um everyone's got sort of really wide-ranging successful well, i'm not doing anything players. at the moment barn gotta be honest with you no one's doing anything i'm not moment. doing now <laughs> don't you do like S- spdx drum recitals in ibiza <laughs> if, if, if you book me i'll come out there <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I think with um, w- yeah, with all of us, w- when we're out in the world doing all, all sorts of freelance stuff, um, we're, we're trying to be as, as versatile as possible so we can Absolutely. slot into any situation. Um, but Brastards allows us to actually kind of specialize and find our true inner self and find who we are as players, mm-hmm. and and you can really it gets amplified through Brastards, and it's great because there's five of us trumpet players. Um, and there's basically no one like, in the band like to a, tell you you're doing it wrong. So it's you, you do you. Yeah, and it's yeah. very you know, free and very liberating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but between I the think... five trumpets, it's like um, I, I'm trying to think of a better analogy than top trumps because that's kind of competitive. It's it's not like that. It's almost like one of those charts where you've got um, a, a spider. Is it spidergram that goes out sort of yeah. like that? Um, is it like the... differently marinated chicken wings? Like they're all good. They're all different. <laughs> <laughs> Do I have the yeah. Korean? Do I have the, the KFC? Like you know, but but it's we've all got different <laughs> things, and and each of us they, they all add up to the same numbers each, but there's just a slightly different thing. Absolutely. It's like if you're, you're customising your player in FIFA, mm. yeah, yeah, you got the different. But it, but it, but it means that we can do anything within within the sections. You know, if there's a more classical mm. bit, then it's all covered. Know, it, it, it's covered if there's a, there's a you know burning latin solo that's needed we're covered you know yeah but it's it's a different it's a different way of approaching it than if you're just out there and you're all just trying trying to play with with orchestras and being on extra lists and depping on west end stuff you are also the best thing a drunk person wants to hear on a friday night <laughs> there you go or a sober person yeah <laughs> But I think that's one of the wonderful things about Brasters, isn't it? I, you know, you can really tell everyone has just sort of found their identity, they be themselves. And I know that it's been touched on in previous podcasts, but um, yeah, no one's worried about what the person next to them are thinking or you have to play it like, you know, the person that you're depping for or whatever. People just go out there and they be themselves 
and I think that ring rings true and that you know that probably helps the audience enjoy it so much because there's nothing better than seeing a bunch of people on stage that are truly comfortable in what they're doing mm. Mm. and that's the other joy actually seeing um depths come in and make it their own as well like mm. absolutely um there's we've got so many fantastic depths who come in and they don't try and emulate um who they're covering for um and but all, all yeah a lot of the time all the better for it as well because you just go oh my god they played that so uniquely and then yeah it's mm. all, all to be embraced basically and it's just but like I think, but i, th- yeah, but I a, think that's because um, everyone's mates aren't they yeah and it's a it's like um somewhere to channel your own thing after what is we do get trained don't we to for this like homophonic sound at, at music college if you want to go and play in orchestras and and whatever you that this is how you play it example a play it like that that's how you play it that's how you go and play in um whatever orchestra and like yeah we've pretty much, i think we've all pretty much trained in that and go and do that work but um it's really nice to to leave that gig at 10 p.m. and um, get on the tube and go to a brasses gig that starts at 11 p.m. and go, <laughs> this is me. <laughs> like, lose, lose the shackles of that, that homophony. homophony. Yeah. Quite interesting, isn't it, though? You get, I mean, obviously, the, the nature of the gig, we're used to it. In that it, is a, it is a blow. It's a smash. And if you're coming in to do it for the first time, it's a smash and it's a read. And, you know, you probably haven't had the time to go through the entire thing, probably because, you know, here's the set, it's just gone out in the day or whatever um and you get you know and it's if you're going with an orchestra and stuff like that there is that sort of thing as like god i've got to do a really good job because the people around me probably even though they want you to do well they are judging you slightly and it'll be absolutely right off you're probably not going to come back but you might just have an incredibly bad off day but with this we're all just kind of there and it's just like yeah just just it's a lot you've got a lot to do we're not expecting it to be there or there you know we expect you to do what you do but it has to be right <laughs> but we're not yeah. expecting perfection and don't worry about it and even you know people that do get it wrong they go oh god i'm so sorry it's like ah, don't worry about it mate it doesn't matter does it you did it and that's like it's a smash i wouldn't want to have to sight read the gig mm-hmm. never have done never will but you have to because you're adept and you know we all just want you to do well and enjoy it and that's the thing just go and enjoy yourself i had to rick had to we didn't we both had <laughs> yeah, yeah, our first yeah, sight yeah, read yeah, yeah. I mean, oh yeah mine was um uh, uh vic budden's 30th no, not that. If twenty fifth, twenty fifth, tried to learn about. Well, luckily, luckily back then, and we're talking two thousand and thirteen, or yeah, maybe two thousand thirteen. I think it was, early, uh, yeah. it was like spring or summer two thousand thirteen. Mm. And um, uh, back then, probably probably only had twenty five tunes, thirty tunes. <laughs> now, <laughs> oh my yeah. god, if a debt received the PDF list now, <laughs> we're probably on like. Probably on 180 tunes, 200 tunes. Can I uh, can I ask a serious question to uh, Chris and Dickie? Yeah, go on. Then. So we were just talking about like our first gigs, uh, you know, 2012 to 13, 14, or whatever it was. Um, and I'm sure that um, Freddie, Seb, and Barney will. Um, I think they'll hear what I'm saying when 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 I say you know when you when you're a freelance musician you rely on momentum. So you go you go through uh, your career and and you, it ebbs and flows and things build and you get busier and more people hear about what you're doing and you get booked for uh, these things, but the key word here is momentum in, in your profession. And, and so, um, 
Chris and Dickie, you, uh, you've been, you know, you've been managing us for the past, like, how, how long now? Coming to eight years. And you've, and I guess yeah. you've seen eight. this momentum. We've been, we've been moving forward. And it's, it's like going from these little things like having like, like pads to iPads, <laughs> things like that, and, and having, having a, a pro- professional Dropbox account and things like that, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it's that like level of momentum. So, what, what, what's in your minds? What, what's the future for for this band? Because we're going to be going into something. In Bloody hell! That is a, a lot. Question. It is, isn't what's it? That's like saying, "What's the future of the music industry but what, at the moment?" Isn't it? I don't. I don't yeah, okay, but okay, yeah, but it's three months. What What was your answer three months ago? Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a very well, good question. I tell, in you, fact. I tell you one thing that springs to mind straight away is obviously you know this is a band where Chris was banging on to me in the pub about it, saying we're going to do this, going to do this, and he didn't do it, and then I was like, right sick of hearing about it did some arrangements and wrote down some names on a piece of paper etc but we've always well, like said MI5 you think you're MI5 <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah couple of taps on shoulders in the blind and it all happens excuse me um, <laughs> you've been chosen but um, we've always kind of said sort of in a jokey way but there's a lot of truth said in jest isn't there whatever that saying is we're not going to stop until the bastards are, you know, on the pyramid stage and we're sponsored by Harris Tweed. So <laughs> I think that's the momentum, isn't it? The fact mm. that we just, we can't really ever see it stopping. And I know various people in the band talk about, you know, our, we've all, well, there's a lot of us with kids and they, they'll sort of one day take over and that, that'd be really, <laughs> that, that, you know, maybe it'd be an absolute <laughs> sick thing for them to know that they've got this burden. But um, I just think that just shows the passion of like the whole group. Mm. And I don't know if I'm really, I don't know if I'm answering your question here, but uh, yeah, that's, that was the first thing. It was a, it was a very open-ended and serious question, but um, mm. I have been thinking in, in, you know, from a personal point of view about like the momentum thing and, and what drives, what drives us, what drives a freelance musician, what, what, what leads us to be successful? What, what is the thing? But it's, the, it's the team though, isn't it? You know, and I think for instance, Monday was a really good with, with example this, of that. Yeah. yeah with, with, with this, it's it is, a, it is a thing. It is a team. It's a yeah. winning, it's a winning combination. Um, and much as you were talking about the trumpet section guys, you know, where everyone's got their own personality, but all the bases are covered. I think no matter if we're going talking about, you know, even we mentioned sort of Tom, you know, as wide as graphic design, Tom, but, you know, whatever management, uh, the, the players that are in the sections, I think, I think we've got it covered, guys. <laughs> I think we have. And that's why we're still going eight years mm-hmm. later. And, and I think that's the, that's the winning, that's the winning thing. Yeah, isn't there it? really well, isn't much of a line, and a lineup change hasn't really occurred, which you do see with other bands. Yeah, you do see people come and go, and I think we do make sure that that should never happen unless it's for very, very extreme circumstances. And, you know, we, we wouldn't want to. We're like a family now, which is the nice thing about the band. It's like a little family. We are all friends. We all would happily hang out with each other. We do. We see each other a lot, which is what lockdown's been hard because. Mm you do realise, and, you know, as soon as we got back into Bush, all you do is that we see each other a lot 
in a week and it's just work but it doesn't feel like work um, no 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 it but doesn't that, that, but people in the business don't mean that doesn't mean you shouldn't pay us just because it doesn't feel like work we are working <laughs> so we <laughs> should get money for that um but you know you just get, we've got into that very lucky situation and it's not it's not you know we we, we sort of yeah me and Tiki have to do that yeah you know, we have our roles behind the playing part but it's a very you know we're sort of we've always been working and you know we and sometimes we'll say you know we all have ownership of what we do and that's the sort of thing and we're trying to sort of we never want to sort of poo poo anything it's always should be encouraged anything should be encouraged even if it's a good idea or a bad idea it should be listened and encouraged and put forward because otherwise it won't work you know there are 11 or 12 immediately 11 or 12 of us and we all have great ideas and that should always be tapped into and utilised. And I think that's the thing that Dickie and I, more and more over the years, are just trying to get used to and trying to hope that that sort of... And, you know, the more we do tap into that, the better we get. And that's why we're where we are now. And in however many more years' time, we'll be so much further on because we'll just get better and better at working with each other and feeding off each other. You know, and like Barney now doing some producing is just going to open up another thing. And all these little things just feed off each other and shoot into the next thing. And, well, it's, you know, it's many it. hands make light work as well, isn't it? That's, exactly, that's yeah. And, and that's the only reason that I think that ODB's been able to turn over all these different album shows and things because, you know, what an amazing team. I don't really think the people that commission those know just what hard work it is. And I, you know, I don't know if they care really. They just want the end product, to be honest with you. It, is that as a result of seeing how much fun it is? They don't realise how much hard work it is. Maybe. I mean, I don't know if the audience or any promoters tend to think about the hours of work that have gone in before they sort of hear the band. Yeah, but why would they? People just think, oh, they get up there and sort of smash it out, but they haven't seen the hours of time sat in front of Sibelius, have they? Or the sort of sending of files to each other and people suggesting things and then it gets sent back and then it gets rehearsed and... You know, there's such a massive process behind it all, and that yeah, truly, I don't, I don't think many people think about that. You know, and in many, in many ways, why should they? They're just out having a drink, having a good time, but uh, they don't notice it because it sounds really good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really interesting point, Dickie. And and, and one of the you know, if I look back on many on you know, all of the gigs that we've done, actually, you know, it'd be easy to say that something like Glastonbury was, you know, is up, you know, of course it's going to be up there with with the favourite gigs, but it'd be easy to say that it was the best gig ever, you know, that first time that we did Glastonbury or the second or the third or the fourth, you know, and they're all amazing in their own right. But actually, almost something like the first Arctic Monkeys gig that we did at the Blues Kitchen you know, has to be right up there because, you know, we worked so hard on it. Mm. You know, we were so tight as a band, you know, we were all living in that moment. Well, that one shows um, the power of rehearsal, actually. Shows mm. the power of rehearsal. Yeah, 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 yeah. you're right, Barney. Yeah. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, that for me has to be, uh, you know, one of my, you know, favourite gigs that, that, that we've ever done because we did worked so hard in it there were so many hours put into it and you know we had that first rehearsal and we'd go over all the arrangements and then you know things were changed and added to and literally right up until the last moment you know there were changes to the to to each and every uh, you know each of the arrangements and that was the first set of um 
gigs that I, we really we really benefited from going into that album in detail, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. The, ba- the, the band like, certainly big time. Sort of elevated to a different. It level changed then. the band after that, didn't it? That, yeah, yeah. Was a big massively, moment. massively. It was a huge stepping stone onto something um, different. Uh, and then I'd say that that doing the B Rave project goes even further than that. Yeah, because that's that's something that no one even asked us to do, and we <laughs> we didn't get paid for that uh, except no. well, we we put on the night and I, the band got some some sort of money which which has gone to other projects, but. But, um, but it will feel even better I, when the room is full of not just our family and friends. That's the next step. That's the next step. I remember being on stage in that one and and there was just, it was a, a different feeling. And it was like, this, we've made this happen. This is absolutely brilliant. There's no, mm. we're not getting paid tonight, but it doesn't matter. We've worked so hard for this one and we really had worked hard. And that was a great feeling. Despite how, how hard I had to concentrate during that gig, I do remember Seabass like, turning around and going, this is our best gig ever. <laughs> like that. I'm vibing out. I'm vibing out. Yeah. I feel like that though. The, the Glastonbury thing is obviously always like so wonderful to, to experience, but it's all yeah. it's almost become like a lovely comfort blanket for us now. We know where we're at with it because we've done about four or five in a row, and so it's like oh, here we are again. We're home. It's our home from home. Mm. So it's it's incredible, and it gets better and better every year. But it. Um, it's the the B rave just kind of knocked us sideways because I think yeah we had we had well it's it's it and, truly and truly unique truly yeah, unique so no one no one else is no one else is doing that bond no but one you've else. Named, you've named my top three yeah Glasto first Arctic Monkeys and and B rave they they are the top three gigs mm. that we've done that have just we've come off stage like aghast at like what had fun doing basically yeah it's I think, just blokes playing trumpets trombones tubers and yeah. drums isn't it yeah That's and, and certainly before that every time you know we we kind of bumbled along haven't we doing a lot of weddings and things and yes we do you know the glastonbury and and, and people would book us book us from that but certainly that first arctic monkeys thing was okay we've got kind of a unique angle here that that, that we can then progress and it, it felt you know, the band improved from the rehearsal process. The arrangements all improved because, you know, there was so much critiquing, critiquing done and, you know, and then from the, what, five, four other album projects that we did that, that mm. year, you know, th- there was a lot of arrangements, a lot of work happening and, and you know, th- the growth of the band really was, in terms of the quality, really, really, you know, was exponential then. It was, it was wonderful to see. Yeah, it's been amazing been amazing and i think the thing with the b rave as well is that like it pushed us physically and mentally like what we were just decided right well well originally it was like right let's do this little sort of segued 45 minute dance set with dancers and then we just overshot the runway and it became an hour and a half pretty <laughs> we did that you know if you know, for people that haven't seen it we did the whole thing pretty much segued the, the entire way through so there was no stopping um which, when you play a brass instrument, is is is, is it was well relentless. Wasn't it? <laughs> it's almost impossible. Absolutely relentless. That wore my yeah. chops down so hard that um, the next day or two days later, basically all my lips fell off and I got about eighteen <laughs> cold sores. <laughs> it was oh, unbelievable. We've all had an, the odd cold sore before. Oh my god! It was like 
I just I'd taken off all the skin and my, my mm. lips were just like um, you have no immunity anymore to life. <laughs> <laughs> so next time we play B-Rave, I don't know, I need to... More Vaseline. Oh, I don't know. Run it. If we do it, we're going to run it. Everyone has a bumper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's going to be yeah, about 50 mad. of us. Um, but we, yeah, going back to what you're saying, Rick, for me it's interesting. I'm just like, for me it's interesting because like, the band's first trajectory was very, you know, like everyone always says, you know, progress isn't an uphill it's not a plain uphill curve it's never that there's always bumps and things but with this band it sort of did just take off and just went Whoop, like that and you're like oh wow this is this is all going really well this is nice like you know and then you know, our 10th gig was glastonbury playing at glastonbury like, oh that's pretty good isn't it and then you go on from there and do other stuff which is awesome and uh but for me for a very long time it's just like i just i kept we kept doing some really cool stuff but i still just like i don't feel like we've done anything like this isn't you know, and I think for a very long time, I was just like, yeah, but we've not actually done anything yet. Like, we've done stuff, but we've not done anything yet. There was just something I was waiting for to happen. And I could look back on certain points and think, yeah, that was great. That was great. That was great. And then all of a sudden things, I don't know where it was, but I think something like when we played, and I know it was quite a depth-heavy gig, but we did um, up in North London. It's the cool bit of North London. Oh, Hornsey. We played... Hornsey, yeah, yeah Hornsey that was amazing. We did that. That was brilliant. Super. Because it was yeah. from through time out and they just said, oh yeah, we could, because I just managed to wangle a deal with them about playing at their summer party and they said, oh no, we could put a gig on for you. It was only five years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, and we just, <sighs> they filled this massive town hall for us and you're just like, ah, that's the power of a, someone with a good bit of clout and a promoter. Yeah. Mm. So then you're sort of like, you're chasing that next one after that and I think that's what we're now we are starting to tap into like promoters want to do stuff with us. And this is where it's all proper. Like, you know, before lockdown, it was all properly starting mm. to kick off. And I'm not going to name any names on here, but things were looking like it was all going to go to the next level, mm. which then maybe would put you on a, a bigger stage at Glastonbury or, you know, this, that, and the other. And I think that's, this is where you're sort of a bit frustrated. I'm frustrated because we were just about to do it. And we had some other, other things ourselves that we were going to put out there that were going to happen, that were going to be like, this could put us on another trajectory somewhere else as well. And it was just having that. And then you just sit there and actually, when we were just moving into a nice busy patch out of January and February, going, right, here we go. Yeah, we're going to get into this nice March run-in or you know, mm. April run-in. And then it's just all gone. Mm. Yeah, but it still pops yeah. up on my computer. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, you've got to be at X at five o'clock. And I'm like, oh. No do, you worry about, do you worry about... Do you worry about the... Me, uh, you've got to leave now to make it in time to the... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, get going. Traffic is heavy. I think we need to stay positive about this, though, because yeah. I honestly think that all that stuff that you're talking about that you're not naming is all there for us when stuff kicks off, and it might take a little bit. Mm. You know, people uh, wary about, oh, yeah, you can do gigs outside now, but people, like, they don't really know the rules or what they can really put on, but mm. things will start to move. Things are slowly, slowly, and before we know it, all the stuff that got cancelled... It's just going to come our way again. Mm. And yeah, uh, I'm usually the most sceptical of, of <laughs> me and you, but I, 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 I think, you know, people might not want to hear this, but it's probably 2021, but all the stuff that got cancelled, it's all going to get slapped back in the diary and the band's going to be incredibly busy, mm. yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's always just tough being stopped in your tracks when you really want to Absolutely. just... Yeah, of course, yeah, 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 yeah. But it was nice. It was nice on Monday, wasn't it? Just sort of, oh, it was like yeah. putting on an old comfy pair of tracksuit bottoms. You know, it, it was 
or quite or taking them off and going or and taking them off yeah, yeah. <laughs> sweating the tits off Freddie and putting on a pair of skinny black jeans you know yeah. it, it, it just it it was it just fit didn't it? it it was just going back right to where we'd where we'd left off again and that was that was a nice experience yeah it's great you know, it's quite an emotional experience really it's good it's video fun, yeah good I video I watched the video back the other day and it was great the playing is you, know, you wouldn't tell we've been away or we got away with it at least <laughs> which is, you know hats off to everyone a massive credit to everyone Barney's great yeah. production yeah auto-tuned is all it's good no auto-tuned no auto-tuned <laughs> <laughs> everyone's been practicing the lip slurs in lockdown um, one thing um, um, just to cover before we I guess finish Sue, is um, obviously we haven't made a video for this yet but no. um, we do have plans and not to give away what those plans are but probably safe to say wherever we do it will spring off from this the fact that you can't not dance to this tune mm-hmm. yeah i can see us all with like broomsticks and like on you've just written mary poppins yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> let's just do mary poppins something yeah, yeah. Well, we've got the tweed so that's the that's the first thing okay so thanks very much for listening to podcast episode number seven there is just one more to go in the series um lovely to be joined by these lovely gentlemen this evening and hopefully catch you all for the last one of the series of the series we may well return in another guise we'd like to return in other guys we just need to think about what way we would we'll do a dance um, video so, special dance video special <laughs> oh god yeah. man we've got to do it big time big time so yeah <laughs> thanks for listening and take care bye deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market